society today and in our world today, another masterpiece has been stolen. A masterpiece that was created by God himself. A beautiful masterpiece called humanity has been ruined. It has been stolen. And the thief is sin. Sin has tainted this masterpiece that God has made. And ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan has stolen the identity from millions of people. So very quickly this morning, I'd like to go back to Genesis chapter one and see four wonderful ways that God made you. The first way that God made us was God made us to display. Verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Genesis chapter five, verse number one reiterates this fact. This is the book of the generations of Adam in that day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Genesis nine, six, right after the flood, God says to Noah, whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God made he man. We are created to display the image of God. This image is not a physical likeness because God is a spirit. There is no physical likeness to God. And yet, as we look in this passage and we study out the image of God found in Genesis chapter one, the image of God is a contrast between every other living creature in verse number 24. Verse number 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. So beasts were created after their kind in verse number 24 and verse 20. And it was good, but then mankind was created in the image of God. There is a contrast between every other living thing on this earth that man is created in the image of God. So in the context of this passage, the image of God tells us that man and woman are created separately from the animals to have a dominion over them. Verse number 26, as we just read, and to display the glory of God. Now, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, God gave us personality. I've met most of you and I could tell you that God gave you a personality. Um, I'm thankful for the personality that God has given to every one of you. That is in contrast to the animals. God gave you a personhood, a personality. God also allows us to ponder. Uh, You never see an animal uh, just staring off into the sunset, contemplating their existence. No, that is not what an animal does. We are able to ponder the deep truths of life, the spiritual truths from the word of God. And God allows us to pray. What an amazing aspect of being made in the image of God that we are allowed, in contrast to every other living creature, to have fellowship with our creator, God. Now, why did God create you? Why did God put you on this earth? We live in a society that tells us that we're just products of chance. And yet the Bible is very clear that God made you for a reason and God gave you a purpose. 
But what is that purpose? Turn over to Revelation chapter four very quickly. We're in Genesis. We're going to go to the last book of the Bible now and find out our purpose. What are we meant to do here on this earth? What is the whole responsibility of man? Revelation chapter four and verse number 11, a great song is being sung around the throne of God. And in this last verse of this chapter, they sing, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Friend, you were created for God's pleasure. You were created for God's glory. You were created to display God's power to everyone around you. Every person you meet should be able to see God's power within you, God's presence within you. You were created with the image of God and you were meant to display that image to the world. The problem comes when we don't live for what we were made for. If you're living a frustrated life this morning, if you're living a life that it just seems like nothing is going right, and you don't understand what is going on in your life, I'd encourage you this morning to reassess your purpose, to reassess who you are living for. Are you living for your own glory? Because when you are not fulfilling the reason that you were created this morning, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be confused. You are not going to understand the purpose of life. Why? Because we are not meant to live for ourselves. We're not meant to live for our own glory, our own selfishness. No, we are meant to live for something greater. And friend, if you are not living for the purpose that God made you, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be discouraged. And yet the amazing moment happens when we realize I was not put on this earth to bring attention to myself. I was put on this earth to display the image of God and your entire paradigm shifts after that. You have a joy. You have a fulfillment. Why? Because God made you to display. God made every man and every woman to display his image. And when we fall away from that, we are Frustrated. Colossians 3.10 tells us, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. God commands us to display his image. He made us for that purpose. He made us so that we could show his power and presence among everyone that we meet in this world. But secondly, this morning, I see another characteristic. God made us to display. But secondly, God made us to be different. God made us to be different. Now, this goes hand in hand with the, my interpretation of the image of God from this passage. But God made me to be different than all of everything else in my environment. Every other living thing in this world, I was made different than everything else. God made humanity to have dominion over his environment. Look at verse number 26 again. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he, him. God made me to be different. He made me to have dominion over my environment. 
So how are we different than the rest of creation? How are we different than the rest of our environment? Many of you have heard my story of how we purchased our dog a few years ago. I, some of you have met Penny. Penny is a precious part of our family. And, and a few years after we were married, we decided that we were going to expand our family a little bit with a dog, okay? And that dog uh, was something that we were excited about purchasing. And so we went to Craigslist don't buy a dog on Craigslist, okay? We went to Craigslist. We were trying to find a really good deal on a dog and we lived in a small apartment. And so we wanted to make sure that we did not have a dog that shed. Okay, we didn't want to have dog hair everywhere. And we wanted to have a small dog because we were in a small apartment. Our landlord actually told us you cannot have a dog greater than 10 pounds. And so we thought, okay, we're researching uh, all of these different types of dogs. And so all these different breeds. And, and then we found a multi-poo. You guys know what a multi-poo is? A Maltese and a poodle, okay? And uh, poodles don't shed, so that was perfect. And Maltese are very small little dogs. Some would argue if they're even a dog at all. And so we have a Maltese and a poodle together, and we were excited. We, we found a multi-poo multi on Craigslist, and we went down, and they wanted to meet in this uh, parking lot down in L.A., and that should have been our, our biggest red flag, Dr. R., but we were like, okay, that's fine. So we drove down to L.A., met them in the parking lot, gave them the money and we got little Penny and Penny was about the size of my hand. Okay. And uh, Penny was just so small and we named her Penny because she was supposed to stay small. Well, now Penny is about 50 pounds or so and she sheds everywhere. She has no poodle in her whatsoever, and she has no Maltese in her whatsoever. She looks more like a smaller golden retriever, and Penny is nothing that I ordered. She was nothing that I thought she would be, and yet she is a dear part of our family. Now, Penny is very different than me, though. Penny is not a human so there are going to be some differences between me and the creation around me. What are some of those differences? Well, she acts on instinct. God gave her an instinct for her to follow. And so she just automatically knows what to do sometimes. But I rely on knowledge to be able to learn and to grow. Uh, she does not ponder her existence. She does not uh, ponder the deep mysteries of the universe. Okay. Now, cats might, but Penny does not. And so Penny is very different. She has instincts. She does not have the knowledge that God gave to humanity. She can communicate, but she does not have a language. And so she does not understand grammar. She can only understand phrases and commands. And we teach Penny to go to her home, which is a little uh, place underneath the, uh, the stairwell of our apartment. And she knows to go home. Why? Because I give her a treat every time I tell her to go home. And so she's learned that behavior. I have trained her to do that. But if I stopped treating her, eventually she would realize, well, this isn't, this is pointless. This, there's nothing good in this for me. She's not going to know what is good or bad. She's not going to understand language or grammar. And she can learn, but only by habit or by rewarding, as we just said. And then she has no morality. Okay, animals do not have a morality. They have a herd mentality that many evolutionists have tried to uh, discuss in regards to humanity. But God has created us with a conscience 
and animals do not. She just knows the rewards or the punishments of what's going to happen whenever she breaks the rules of the house. You see, this is very important for us to understand. It's very basic. We did not come from animals. We are made different from animals. We are capable of superior knowledge and logic. Now, throughout history, we have seen that Christians have tried to take creationism and evolution and put it together in some type of a theistic evolution, but it never fits. It never works because if you are going to take a literal interpretation of the scripture, you realize very quickly that you were made to display the image of God and you were made to be different. Emory Bancroft lists the reasons that the evolutionary theory cannot be reconciled with the Bible. Number one, the evolutionary theory represents man as rising from a lower order of being while the scriptures declare his origins to be due to the direct creative action of God. Number two, the evolutionary theory represents man as being the result of successive changes in the material forms due to resonant forces within while the scriptures declare that man's physical being is the result of God's action upon it from without. And then number three, the evolutionary theory represents man as the climax of development, ascending through the lower forms of animal life, while the Bible declares him to belong to the distinctive human order whose entrance into being was immediate and direct. You cannot combine the anti-God, anti-Bible philosophy of evolution with what the Bible states about creation. John Phillips says in his commentary on Genesis, what animal can transmit accumulative achievements from one generation to another? What animal experiences a true sense of guilt when it does wrong or has a developed consciousness of judgment to come? What animal shows any desire to worship? What animal has hope to immortality beyond the grave? What beast can exercise abstract moral judgment or show appreciation of the beauties of nature? What animal ever learned to read and write, to act with deliberate purpose and to set goals and achieve long range objectives? What animal ever learned to cook its food, to cut cloth and make clothes or invent elaborate tools? What animal ever enjoyed a hearty laugh? What animal has the gift of speech? Man stands alone. And we live in a society today that will tell us that we are just the products of our environment, that we have no responsibility in and of ourselves, that we are just a product of, of, of happenstance in our universe today. And yet when we turn to God, we see a God who loves us and a God who cares for us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us and to rise from the grave. And we see a God that wants to have a relationship and wants to have fellowship with us. He has made you with a purpose. Do not fall into the trap, this evolutionary thought that you are just a product of chance. No, God has made you to display and God has made you to be different. Now, science is fluid. We've seen that in the last couple of years. We've seen that science is always changing. Every, every week, it seems, there's another discovery in science. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because science, that's the nature of science. Science is the observation of our environment. And so when our observation changes, science is going to change. Uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines science as knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general 
laws, especially as obtained and tested through scientific method. Do you remember the scientific method? How many guys did a science fair project? Okay. Now, um, I, I, I did a few science fair projects when I was in high school as well. And I realized that there are a lot of different categories of people who do science fair projects. The first category is someone who is the teacher's pet. Okay. They could bring in a rock and they'd get an A. Okay, uh, the person who just can do no wrong in the class, and and uh, that's usually the teachers. But then you have another category, the underachiever. Uh, this is the person who had three months to do his project, but then he woke up that morning and realized it's today. And so he had to throw something together. Hopefully, we don't have any of those personalities here in college, okay? That is the underachiever, okay? Then we have the kid with the volcano. Okay, there's always the kid with the volcano. And I'm sorry, but that's not a real science fair project, okay? But there's always the kid with the volcano. There's always the homeschooler that has the potato-powered battery, okay? No offense to homeschoolers, but I tell you, there's always the homeschooler who, who really his family is just tired of seeing the display set up in the dining room, and uh, they, they're tired of just uh, always getting the presentation every time they walk by it. So they send him to the science fair so he can, he can talk about his uh, battery power or potato power battery there. Then you have the parent, okay, the parent, because, you know, the parents usually end up doing all the work for a science fair project, and it's very obvious which kids did not uh, do their work properly, that their parents did all of that work. I don't know if you remember your science fair project or not. I made a little, uh, I made a little guitar, and uh, I don't play the guitar, but I just made a little guitar, and I had to test the tightness of the strings and the length of the strings and everything. That was kind of my science fair project. I don't know if you remember your science fair project, but you should because that helps you understand the nature of science. Science is something that is provable and observable by the scientific method. And when you were doing a science fair project, you were learning what science was. You were learning the scientific method. You see, science is observable and science is provable. Macroevolution is not observable and it is not provable, thus it is not science, okay? So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. And you live in a world where everyone is saying, evolution is science, evolution is science. No, it is not science because it is not observable and provable by the scientific method. And you need to have an answer to anyone who tries to confuse you with that. Then someone says, well, what about early man? What about all the cavemen? Well, we can go through a list of early men. Java man was concocted by a discovery of, of three bones. Uh, they took an entire skeleton. They created an entire skeleton from only three bones. Uh, pecking man was discovered, but then lost during World War II. Nebraska man was conjectured from one tooth, which later was discovered to be an extinct wild pig. Uh, Piltdown man ended up being a hoax, complete hoax. The evidence of Heidelberg man was just a one jawbone. And then the Neanderthal skeletons were buried next to skeletons of modern man. And this was or disproven by a Yale professor as, as early as 1972. And so don't let the world shove its agenda down your throat that you are a product of chance. One of the interesting thing about Neanderthals as I was doing some study about them was that the, really the only difference between a Neanderthal and the modern man is the size of their head. Their skulls are bigger. And as we look through the Genesis account, we understand that the human skull never stops growing. 
So if you read through Genesis and you start reading about men who lived for centuries upon centuries, 900 years long, their skulls are naturally going to be larger, right? And so whenever we see a scientific discovery, we should always measure it by what the Bible says. The truth is clear. God created man, God created woman to be different from their environment, to display their, uh, display God's image and to have dominion over his environment. Number three, God made me distinct. God made us to be distinct. Look at verse number 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Some might say, well, this is just Old Testament. Well, let's talk about the New Testament. What did Jesus himself say about being distinct? Matthew chapter 19, verse number four, Jesus says, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? I have a, que- I have a feeling that Jesus would be asking that same question to our culture today. Have you not even read That in the Bible, in the beginning, God made them male and female, verse number five, and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, as we talk about this issue, we need to understand, first of all, that God loves everyone. Okay, doesn't matter what sin you're guilty of. God loves everyone and no one is worthy of being belittled or made fun of or mocked um, just because they are sinning in a different way than you are. So we need to understand that God loves everyone and God wants everyone to be saved. We also need to understand that there are sins in the Bible that are going to be at different levels than others. Now, I know doctrinally every sin is the same. Every sin is the same at the cross, okay? But here on earth, there are sins that have different consequences than others. There are sins that would be greater, and I use that in quotations here because you know what I'm saying here. It's not that it's different before God, but there are certain sins that are going to completely ruin your life. And so those would be sins that we would preach more against because those are sins that are completely ruining our society. We understand doctrinally that sin is sin. Everyone is a sinner and there's no difference between the sin before God. But here on this earth, there are different consequences for the sins that you partake in. And so how does someone get to the point in their life when they are denying the distinction that God has made them in? We'll turn over to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one is just an amazing discourse as Paul is introducing the gospel to the church at Rome. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in verse number 16. And after that, he is going to be discussing the slide of different societies into open rebellion against God. And he is proving to his audience here that every person is guilty before God, whether they have heard the gospel or not. God has put 
a conscience within them to know what is right from wrong. And God has put them in the middle of creation that testifies the glory of God. And so we see this slide here taking place. And this slide, listen very carefully, this slide has taken place in multiple societies in history over and over and over again. Persia, Rome, the British Empire, all of these empires of the past have slid into this sin, this open rebellion of sin, and we are seeing this in our society today as well. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I see in this first step the fact that they are knowing God, but they have become very vain and self-centered. They have rejected the fact that God created them to display his image. They have rejected the fact that God created them to glorify him in their lives and they have become vain and self-centered. Here's the next step, verse number 23. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. So if you see verse number 23, that they have rejected the difference. They have compared the incorruptible God to everything else in this world. They have been worshiping their environment. They have been worshiping the creature. Verse number 25, serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So they've rejected the display. They've rejected the difference. And now look what happens in verse 26. They've rejected the distinction. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. I don't want God to give me up. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was Meet. We see the rejection of the image to display God. We see the rejection of the difference between you and the rest of creation. And we see the rejection of the distinction that God has created us in male and female. But then there's another progression in verse number 26. I'm sorry, verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them up over to a reprobate mind. They didn't want God in their mind, so God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents. Interesting, that one's in there as well. Verse number 31, without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection implacable unmerciful who turn who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them we live in a world that professes themselves wise and they have become fools we live in a world that not only sins but has pleasure in doing that sin, has pleasure in rejecting the way that God has made them. Let me encourage you, Christian, this morning. 
I know that we are inundated with these philosophies in every aspect of life. You can't even buy an Oreo today without seeing a rainbow flag on it. You can't buy a Whopper without seeing the rainbow flag on it. You can't uh, turn on a TV show or be on social media without seeing something that promotes a lifestyle that has rejected the image that God has made them in, has rejected the difference and has rejected the distinction. And we as Christians need to understand that we need to lovingly and in a Christ-like way stand for the truth of the word of God. We are not going to compromise on this issue. We are not going to change uh, what the Bible clearly states in Scripture. We need to understand this morning that we can not be hurtful and unkind and angry and hateful, but we also do not condone lifestyles and sin that is completely against what God says in His Word. Amazingly enough, just in the past few weeks, we see corporations like Disney having a leaked video that talks about how that they're pushing their agenda of the LGBTQ movement into the throats of children. They are very blatant about it. We don't live in a world where there's a conspiracy theory anymore. It is clear. It is something that they are vocal about. And we as Christians need to understand how to give an answer to every man that asketh of a hope that is within us. God has made us with distinction. But lastly, this morning, God made me to decide. The last few verses of Romans chapter one is a decision. They've become filled with a wide range of sin and rebellion against God. And it's a choice. If you turn back to Genesis chapter one, we see the decision that God gave to Adam and Eve. Chapter number two, verse number nine. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, can you imagine only having one rule to obey your entire life? I mean, I know you guys have to read through the handbook. You have to sign that you read it at least. And you have all these different policies and rules. And guess what? When you graduate Bible college, you're going to get to a church someday and they're going to have a whole manual of policies and procedures. You're going to get to a job someday. They're going to have a whole manual of policies and procedures. You're going to have to obey the law. You're going to have to obey the rules at your work. You're going to have to obey all the different rules of our society and all the different rules from the word of God. But Adam and Eve only had one, one rule. I don't know if you ever thought, man, if I just had one rule, I think I would be okay. No, you wouldn't be. Adam and Eve had one rule. Don't eat of the tree. What are they doing in the next chapter? They're eating of the tree. God made you to decide. There's a reason for that. God did not make us to be robots. God gave us a choice. Now, Last summer, um, we traveled uh, with a tour group, Alyssa and Silas and I. And, and uh, where are my, where's my group from last summer? Where's Eric Sordo, very good. I see Jordan Thomas, where are you? Are you? Oh, they must be in Senior Chapel. Uh, Nathan Morton, some, just a really good team. Jared, he's probably in Senior Chapel too. But uh, Eric's in the back, so I just want to see your reaction when I show you this toy. 
<laughs> this was a toy that we bought for Silas. And we thought that we were just the best parents ever, okay? This toy, when we bought it, the box said over a hundred songs that you can play on this toy. And we thought, man, we're gonna be driving for hours and hours and hours. We don't wanna be listening to the same thing over and over and over again. So uh, we're gonna get this toy because there's over a hundred songs. At least it's not gonna drive us crazy and it's gonna keep Silas happy. What we didn't realize was when you play with the toy, you have to consistently press the button to get all 100. If you don't consistently press the button, it's going to go back and regress to the first song. So Silas is about one year old and he's playing with this and he's pressing it. Listens to the song, waits, waits a few seconds and he presses it again. Well, guess what? It's the same song. Presses again, same song, over and over again. It got to the point where our tour group could sing the song. And uh, let's see if it'll sing it for us. I'm a little happy cow. Moo, moo, moo. I have two little horns on the top of my head. That's the song, okay? And we heard this song over and over and over again, driving down the road. This toy here was made for a purpose, and the purpose was whenever you press the button for a song to play, okay? Now, I don't know if it was really fulfilling its purpose the way that it was advertised, but it was still, you know, playing a song. So we had this toy here, and the toy was made for a purpose, and the toy is going to be able to play the song whenever you press the button, but that's not how God made us. God didn't make us to be a robot, you see, the reason is robots can't love. Love is a choice. This, this toy can't love. This toy was made so when I press the button, it plays the song. That's the only purpose of it. And God could have made us like that. God could have made us like robots to say, when I give you a command, you're just going to say, yes, master, and do it. God could have made us like that but he didn't because God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have fellowship with you and God wants you to love him. God made you to love him. If he made you a robot, you wouldn't be able to love him. He made you to decide. Unfortunately, we have been making the wrong decision. Unfortunately, the decision that we have has been leading us into sin. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. God has created you to make a decision. God has created you to decide. And yet we live in a very apathetic society, a whatever society that just tries to go through the motions of life without making a decision. But my friend, if you you are not making a decision to love God every single day of your life and to surrender to him every single day of your life, then you are not fulfilling the purpose that God has made for you and you're going to be discouraged and you're going to be defeated. But God wants you to decide because when you decide is the only time that God can receive love from you. And that is what he desperately craves 
1 Corinthians 13, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, bearing all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. You see, love is a choice. And what have you been deciding in your life? A masterpiece has been stolen in our society, but has it really? In actuality, this masterpiece has been given away because it's a decision. And every one of us have a decision to make. Are we going to display his image? Are we going to be different than the animals? Are we going to be distinct in the gender that God has given to us? And are we going to decide to love him? I'll close with this amazing passage from Psalm 139. Verse number 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance and yet being unperfect in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Friend, what do you need to change in your life today to match how he made you? He made you to display. He made you to be different. He made you to be distinct. And he made you to decide.